0: I know that compassion is the yes. way mm-hmm. we need to respond. Mm-hmm. And I know how enormously difficult mm-hmm. that is. It's an area of the world that many of us feel very strongly about. Oh, I'm oh. really being taped. Okay. And... I'm always at a loss Mm
1: -hmm.
0: on how to respond, um, how to respond to people who accuse us or the urge to respond violently is so powerful and so overwhelming. And in our society here, we are so preoccupied with a violent response. What steps can we take in a broader context to make people understand that this is the true form of nationhood or or love of nation to respond with compassion instead of with violence?
2: Mm. It, it is uh, um, I very much appreciate the question. It's a very deep and very, very profoundly important one. Welfare of humankind depends on this kind of transformation of our inner life. And this country, as the global power of the time, has enormous uh, responsibility, enormous responsibility. And its influence is so pervasive. But the ugly face of America is the one that the world keeps seeing. And this uh, exploration, and I feel it's on two fronts. Um, one is uh, the depth of soul-searching. It isn't easy to answer the voices of uh, aggression, retaliation, and the rationalizations that go with it. it that isn't easy, easy to answer. But another voice of constructive engagement and not destructive engagement, which has to come to that at some point, anyway. And therefore, the sooner the better. And even though you and I and others may be accused of idealism, naivety, and all those uh, levels of accusation that are thrown, we've got to first dig deep. We've got to keep trust with constructive engagement. in all of these difficulties and perhaps equally important we've got to be well informed we cannot be well informed through CNN (laughs) Time Newsweek, the New York Times the Washington Post uh, all of those there's no chance they are not the reference point because uh, the, the, the slant is so heavily loaded towards a particular view and that gets distorted as well as we have in Europe as well obviously so it's other other ways so that means we may have to go to public meetings we may have to do some reading we may have to have contact with others we may have to write may have to some way in which the sense of concern gets manifest we may not have the answers but we have a gut feeling that um, using the aeroplanes to kill people, innocent people in the US, and then using aeroplanes to kill other people is not the way forward. This is not civilization. This is, this is medieval. This is barbaric. And therefore we've got to find some other, other expressions of, of that. And I think if we work hard, and there are groups and wonderful groups in this country and else, elsewhere... Who keep quiet and muted? It might seem put out the other voice, as we doing as I was doing today. That is uh, where the strength and the hope lies, because it has to come to that. You can't just go continue on and on this this uh, uh, this this way. And people need to be together and to talk together. And what, whatever the issue is, the And whether we call it the Middle East, or whether we call it racism, or homophobia, or the disparity in wealth, or whatever it might be, those things, somehow the heart's got to sense and find some way to move forward with it. We have to challenge the the modus operandi of the system. And I think that's, that's people do it together. Alone, you and I will feel too small. So, for yourself, what can you do? I said enough, what can you do? What would you do?
0: Well, I know I've always been very interested in the, the death penalty. And, mm. and that is my, the way that I choose, I think, to be active yes. mm-hmm. at this point in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, i I keep coming back to the question when political leaders are asked, and they say that they're against the death penalty, and none of them say that they're against the death penalty anymore because that's to be that's the kiss of death mm. to be against the death penalty mm. uh, and they say, well, if it were your wife or your mother or whoever was killed by this horrible person. What would you do?
2: Mm. I know it's the usual one. But moment. it's a
0: very easy question to answer. I know what I would want to do emotionally, but it's what I would hope I could do with my compassion. Mm. I mean, I think the bravest people in the world are the people who've lost a child to a murderer. Mm. Who have responded as this family you mm. mentioned by saying, "More killing is not the answer."
3: Mm. Yeah, yeah.
2: And that, that that voice as you expressed and uh, and similar uh, voices, they have to go from a whisper in our society to a shout. And and so this. uncivilized um, activity of the state authorizing the death of people which you know from a European standpoint is barbaric but bar- but bar- bar- just barbaric uh, to that this still continues and it's going to take people and and change because it feeds the cycle of violence directly and indirectly and then and with executions, it's not only the person who's executed, but the whole family and friends all suffer intensely as a result. So it it change comes when people say something has to stop. And and that voice of stopping is the contribution to the resolution of suffering. And for that to happen, you and I we have to say, okay, if I'm really committed, as the Dharma teachings are to the resolution of suffering, really to move and evolve as a human being, as a race, as a species, what am I going to do without to make time for such commitment? What am I going to put aside? Because if our life is so full already, so preoccupied already, we may have very grand and noble aspirations, but the life is consumed and therefore there's no life, and sorry, no energy, no vitality, no passion, no ability. So sometimes in that kind of time-honoured spirit, what am I prepared to renounce? What am I prepared to give up? What am I prepared to do, with, to do without? So compassion is not just a nice word heard in the meditation hall, it's right out there in the field. And, and, and that's going to take some risks from us and... and challenge and, and steps, and going from the known and sometimes the familiar into the unsafe and the unknown. And these teachings, my goodness me, if they're about anything, they are about that. So your good voice here is a good reminder to uh, uh, all, all of us. Keep the voice going. Thank you. Don't compromise. <laughs> all right, you just put it down. <laughs> Thank you. So two or three minute two or three minutes shared silence together <laughs> How's that looks pretty good okay <clears throat> well
4: uh, you um, said you know, I thought it really rang very well for me the importance or the the fact that um, the whole of the practice is to stay with the feeling in the body mm-hmm. And um, the problem is, of course, the distractions. Yes. All right. <laughs> Many. Yes. Distractions. And uh, what what uh, what can you say about sorting yeah. out the distractions All and right. staying with the essential unassigned, unascribed, and un unnamed
2: I'll uh, say little and ask a couple of questions um, firstly as you mentioned content images, pictures stories, words thoughts, ideas etc. a lot of that for all of us can be uh, circulating around and that may just be indicating to us that when that's going on at that time we're not very focused just simply not very focused, mind is dancing around, etc. A little bit of focus can help to dispel that. And that wouldn't necessarily mean having to go to the feeling in the body. What I had very specifically in mind is when something is going on for us, which is clearly a kind of uh, issue whatever it might be about, which specifically has the feeling and sense of being unclear or unresolved in some way or other. Something's going on for us. It's so easy to be dragged, sometimes kicking and screaming, back into the storyline. And we want to develop enough power of focus, of mindfulness, to come back to what's going on. Inside this is where the feeling in the body the feeling in the feeling, as the Buddha says, it really becomes the heart and the core of the practice there so the story matters is secondary the feeling is primary learning to explore the feeling and stay in touch so you don't have to answer. Um, which kind of uh, feelings would you say you uh, experience um, which um, are the most difficult to arise most frequently? Fear. 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 Ah. With the fear that arises, obviously very, very common, it runs deep in human beings. Does the, the fear tend to be around something? That what I mean by that fear, which is nameable, called cool. something in the past, something's going on in the present, one is afraid say so to talk to somebody or fear about what, the, what might happen in the future. Does, is fear is it nameable, Or is it just fear rather raw, not necessarily connected with or both?
4: What I notice for myself is that the
2: fear is often.
4: Uh, about the feeling of um, of not surviving.
2: Of not or, surviving. Yeah,
4: of, of uh, either being isolated or not surviving.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, so this kind of uh, fear of um, isolation would be expressing some kind of separation from others. Mm-hmm. Not surviving... <clears throat> In 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 what sense, as a human being, or, or, or over a problem, or what, what, what do you mean by not surviving?
4: Um, uh, I guess. <clears throat> now we're starting to put a story on it, but it it, it, it feels I, it like uh, it, feels, uh, it feels like uh,
2: not having a voice, not
4: having a voice, yeah, being so small. As to not have a
2: voice. Yeah, right. So sometimes, either from without, that we can feel um, rather sometimes just oppressed by the strength of another person or person, then we can feel not have a voice, or the fear is arising from within and the fear is showing itself as being afraid to express what we want to say. I just had, if I did, take a little sidestep and we'll come back. I just had a wonderful um, uh, meeting with uh, the staff looking up and we explored communication. Yeah. Uh, and one of my uh, uh, res- responses to some of the questions that were asked Uh, having the privilege of teaching around the world, I think the area of communication here, of having a voice, is the most difficult place I know of anywhere I go to in the world. Is here.
4: Hmm.
2: And despite a very articulate and uh, intelligent and bright uh, culture, I think there's a very kind of a rather serious uh, underlying problem that doesn't get addressed, which is living in a kind of world of uh, pleasantness and the wish to sustain it to the to the max, which seems to make it increasingly more difficult for people to have a voice and be firm and clear and strong with each other. And sometimes things are said from one person to another and the other person feels very hurt, very disappointed, feels wounded. Strong language gets abused, uh, used like abused or, or misunderstood or rejected or hurt, etc. And the other person is just expressing what they see. And here it's the most difficult. there, And that's more people feel they haven't got a voice or they're afraid to express, and I think part of it is some loss of normalcy in direct communication, and there's a sensitivity which is too high, much too high here, like nowhere else. I know, and I, I know just if I may say, this as a speaker in the Dharma hall particularly someone like myself, I sometimes just say things and just put it out there, straightforward. Nowhere, anywhere I come to is like here for having half a dozen or a dozen notes put on the notice board for Christopher afterwards. This wasn't politically correct. We didn't like... no, And it has a slightly inhibiting feeling. I noticed in the opening talk, though some of you know me for years, Mm-hmm. last night, I think two or three times I said, well, I know it 's not politically correct mm. i don 't have to say that anywhere else, mm. but it, it just saves <laughs> saves people looking for a piece of pen and paper That's,
4: uh,
1: <laughs>
2: so so a little bit some the sensitivities are affected that 's what I mean by this you know and I think mm. we' got to trust it 's okay to speak our mind a bit more mm. yeah so One is issue of survival, as you just uh, uh, mentioned, and the other, which very closely related to, is the sense of um, isolation. uh, There, is there an incident? I I don't need the content too much. Where you can recall that happening quite recently? I mean, today. What's the feeling if you could turn your attention? What's the The kind of feeling that you experience, either isolation or fear of survival. I mean, the voice being squashed and crushed. And And that is a survival issue. How would you speak of the feelings when you focus on the inner life, the bodily life?
4: How would I speak about the feeling? You know, yeah, how would you describe right now? Describe the field? Yeah. Um, going back to an incident when this yes. was... Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> hmm. Uh, I guess a, a sense of um, needing to to make a change or, or you know, uh, um, the incident I'm thinking of is uh, when I got into a discussion or interchange with a person that thought that I had cut them off and I, I was turning onto a street that had two lanes and then suddenly mm-hmm. they had one lane and, and we ended up exchanging loud Noises mm-hmm. and gestures and <clears throat> <laughs> and and uh, it was uh, it was an inability, it was a, a feeling like I, I really had to adjust their way of seeing things. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't no you know.
2: So the fe let me get it clear that the feeling is that there's an interchange. There's pressure from the outside. There's a verbal disagreement, and and the contraction or the pressure inside. That had a major effect on the communication, in some way or other. The self, I, me, and my, is defined and determined by the strength of that feeling. That 's the very wars of the self of I, me, and mine. And Dharma teachings is the exploration and the dissolution of it, and the way that it manifests is there when you go back to the time of the interchange, where with the body did it was it most noticeably felt? Now sometimes of course it makes it, when we're upset or angry or agitated, mm. Of course we feel the heat coming out, mm. so that mm. comes out of the cells. Mm. What
4: else? I think sort of and then, you know, the need to push out from here yes. something like
2: mm-hmm. that. So, in the layers of things, quite often the uh, anger, which get, gets externalized, mm. dig a little deeper, behind the anger will be the fear. You know, we see a dog in the corner, it's whimpering because now the dog is attacking it, and then, suddenly, uh, uh, and then it switches to anger and then it goes back to fear. Mm. And a- a- anger is expressing, we're not coping with something because we're afraid. Afraid of not getting our own way. Afraid of not being in control or, or whatever it might be. Mm. Dig deeper into the, ang- into the fear, what's coming out of the body is insecurity. So we've got the outer level of the anger Touch the anger, there's a fear. Get into the fear, there's some kind of insecurity that's going on. The whole region of insecurity deserves our attention. Deserves our attention. And the locations for that may vary, often very visceral, often physical, and this whole whole area. And if we're not centered in the area, then... The impulsive movements go on, called anger, called fear, uh, etc. So lots of good practice of plenty of attention in this area. So as soon as, next time you're in your car, next time you're having contact with somebody, and you get the sense it's not going to be easy, that you could feel isolated, your voice could feel crushed or whatever. Mm. Mm. If in the early immediacy of things there's starting from here and exploring and being here, there's more chance of staying steady and the transformation of insecurity to security. Here's the place for it. Much of the stuff goes on in here, Mm. doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. So as you've been sitting here listening, mm. isolated, fearful, insecure, secure. What's the what's? How's life inside? Great. Great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can't argue with that. Great. I was really good. So the sense in some situations, despite some people it would be, it's rather uncomfortable. You're. Uh, willingness to be present willingness to explore and my small suggestion is lots of practice in this area Mm. and when that develops and cultivates in a clear way the immediacy of say some anger or the immediacy of some isolation or your voice not getting expressed itself will be the signal here Mm. feel the sensations Relax, mm. see the changes, explore it, settle into it. Even when it's gone and it's all faded away, still good, down-to-earth practice to learn to be here, to mm. feel centered inside, mm. so that we can attend to uh, a situation uh, like like that. Mm. You know, and, and rather similar, okay. because road rage and road uh, uh, anger um, arises, and that uh, I don't have a I don't have a car. I gave up the car a couple of years ago. But when I had a car, I uh, pulled into the local car park. And I reversed in, not unusual, reversed into a space. And then a guy in a small truck got out of his truck. And as I got out, he was so mad because uh-huh. I hadn't seen him and he, fair enough, was waiting before me. Yeah. So... This was in England. So he began uh, effing and uh, blinding. And said, get your effing car out of here effing quickly. Uh, Etc. <laughs> and someone like me is just not the the best thing to say to get me to move. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I said... Um, you'll have to ask me. And he got very, very close. I could smell the breath. And he said, if I didn't move the car, he was going to effing my face in. (laughs) And I said, I'm definitely not moving now. I said, when you ask, I'll move. And I'm staying here until you ask. So I could feel a few sensations, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> and they were warm. <laughs> <laughs> and as few people began to watch this little interaction that was go- going on. But the one of the great blessings of the practice was just to stay in there just to stay steady and just to feel centered in here and keep the voice quiet and soft mm. there. but to let the person know under aggression I'm not, I'm not cooperating there. and so I just said very briefly what I just uh, said and from uh, that He then, no guarantee, but then in this case, he then began to change. And then he said, I mean, we clenched it. Would Would you move your car? (laughs) Like that. (laughs) That's fine, no problem. I reversed out and he he went in. So sometimes in in situation like that, rather than fan the conflict, Mm. yet not having fear, Keeping as uh, steady uh, as we can. And particularly, all the practice says, come back here. Rest, rest inside. And talk from inside. Mm. And it's that practice. When we in the fear and anger, we're actually out of the inside. We, we've mm. kind of been pushed out. Mm. And then, of course, we're very vulnerable. Mm. So it's our practice. Great. Thank you. Good. Nice to talk with you. Yeah. Thank you. Nice to talk with you.
1: I suspect a lot of people here are too. Mm. Uh, got older, got into Dharma instead. Uh, today you uh, brought up the... Uh, uh, Brought into focus for me that um, that I am holding political action as a duality ah. separate from Dharma. Oh ah, yeah, all right. And that.
2: Not unusual. <laughs> Go on.
1: And that I actually have a lot of avoidance of mm-hmm. being right now. Yeah. And when sep- September 11th occurred, my personal take on this is: this is comic. We are a very terrorist country. Mm -hmm. and we do not own up to our terrorist behavior, Mm -hmm. and now have permission to become terrorists. Yes. And I agree with you about... uh, I did read about this um, uh, family of the fire who lost their son. Mm. The New York Times actually Mm. uh, quoted them. Mm. So that is one little strike for... (laughs) Yes. However, what sits inside is... um, my preference not to get involved because mm. it is so difficult in the United States to have these ideas now. Yes, and it is so uncomfortable.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think, on the other hand, as practitioners, we have no choice. Mm-hmm. Um, the old method of being organizing and I mean that. I don't see myself doing that anymore, no. on the other hand, I watch my old conditioned behavior think that action is the answer, mm-hmm. and that just meditating on peace is insufficient mm. and on the other hand, I watch you and you you are active mm. yeah. you're engaged. Mm. Can you say a little bit more about my country my <laughs> my
2: mess? That, <laughs> how do um, it's it's a a very uh, common one in the Dharma community and in the Buddhist world I appreciate uh, some of the difficulties around this but um, let me ask say unpack political what what, when when, when you hear the word political of which a lot gets wrapped around and some have a close relationship to some prefer to have a more distant relationship to some will say a dharma and political what, what's political? What, what, what comes to you?
1: in this culture, in this country?
2: yeah, yeah. For, you, your, for your experience rather than a generality when you think of political
1: well, I have an unusual experience I'm not, not totally unusual no. I am um, what's called a red diaper baby in the United States never heard of it well, I, my parents, my grandparents were communists.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, and that's a
2: red diaper.
1: <laughs> that's a red diaper baby. All right. So I was brought up with a lot of dogma and idealism and confusion and yes, uh, the whole wax. Also lived through what we call here uh, McCarthyism.
2: Yes, yes, I know that. Mm-hmm.
1: And I watched my parents burn books, mm. and was a white Jewish middle-class kid for all intents of purposes in the neighborhood that yes. was in hiding. So I have a lot of different packages on this.
2: Yeah, I can tell. No um, way.
1: but the main thing that I have needed to work with in my life is the fact that, um, my parents couldn't look very deeply at what they were standing for. I mean, they, no. they stood for the idealism, but not for the actuality. Mm. Yeah. But that's, that I've worked a lot with. I've worked a lot with all of this. Um, but I f- my immediate feeling is distrust. Distrust. In the package. Yeah. That people in politics are filled with delusion of egocentric power-oriented, yep. and few are saying we're hurting others. Very few. Very few. So it doesn't become a vehicle for me. I, I don't tend no. to... Yeah. <laughs> right.
2: Not an easy uh, issue. This is where the uh, soul-searching comes in. And that soul-searching feature is, I think, both inwardly and outwardly. Inwardly, fear and reaction must be transformed. We can't... It's nothing to do with the politics of left, right and centre. It's a complete distraction. It's not about being left-wing or anything. that, that That's socialism and all, all that ideology and capitalism. Nothing to do. This is about human beings related to each other. And that has to be some kind of steadfast abiding principle. How does we... How do we, as human beings, relate to each other? And if we keep our heart and mind focused on that and that alone, I think it dissolves the lines of political and non-political. I think it's a kind of distraction in in a way. I don't consider myself political, I don't consider myself non-political. I think other people would say that of Christopher, but not those lines that I want to work along. I'm much more in the Dharma teachings that life is genuinely interconnected, that we have an undying uh, interrelationship with each other, that I wish... uh, endeavour to treat other people as I wish to be treated, as some kind of abiding principle. And that sense of interconnectedness and concern must somehow, as much as possible, influence what I say, what I do, what I act and what I write. And I think there is a quiet power to that, which I think will, I hope, and in my lifetime, will shake up the political corporate world, which in Buddhist languages is in the grip of Mara, grip of delusion, as you pointed out. And, and if there's nothing, as I say, political, non-political about it doesn't quite sit with me. If the Dharma teachings are concerned with dependent arising conditions, the resolution of suffering, the web of life as an interconnected reality, if we put that in the center of our existence as a a truth of existence, I believe, from my experience and from others as well, that out of that can come a whole different kind of vision and action. And, 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 And one is remaining true to something which one feels deep down is true. That we are in all in it together. That the whole notion of the of um, American citizens and um, Arab citizens, of uh, Western religion and Islamic faith, uh, um, Israelis and Palestinians. As I said to the Israelis and Palestinians, the only way you'll meet is when you hold these labels lightly. When you hold them lightly, you'll see what you have in common. If you don't hold them lightly, it, it, it is a nightmare. And they know better than I. And the English dirty fingerprints, of course, are all over the region. No question. Just as the Americans are. Oh. So the, the, the labels and the identity, the self, which is bound up, has to be treated much more lightly. So interconnectedness, which is the more fundamental truth, is felt. We've got to feel it. And our practice is to feel it and feel it and feel it and trust that out of that something can come. Because the other way is not working. It's a nightmare. This way will work. So, for yourself, political or non-political?
1: Um, I, I don't use that language anymore.
2: All right, good. <laughs> good. Okay, you. All right, you. what language... You, no, 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 thank you. Oh. What, <laughs> what language are you going to use? You, 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 you shed the... Political, left-wing, communist... Oh, well, I, I, of the language. I
1: have given that up quite a long time Yeah, ago. good. All right, then.
2: And other forms of uh, language? Well, What's the
1: language? Well, actually, is, it, hmm. what you're verifying is something that I chose to do um, back when I was teaching women's studies. I chose to change my language so that anybody could hear me. Hey, nice one. I chose to um, clean it up in the, you know, the lingo. Yeah, yeah. Because I... Wanted to be heard rather than reacted to, so hey, maybe nice. maybe I've been doing this. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm not as dualistic as yeah, I, I d- n- think.
2: You're not coming across right now as dualistic at all.
1: But this 9/11 did bring up a lot of issues for, for me. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and um, the sense of powerlessness about uh, the whole world mm. power trip. Yeah, really personally powerless. Um, so I thought yes. I would. Yeah, that, and to see it that I actually, I I'm, as I'm talking to you, I'm realising that what I've been doing is strengthening my fears instead of my connections.
0: Yes,
2: yes. So, that, that's the, another major shift. We strengthen the connections. Rather than the fears. Rather than the fears. Mm-hmm. That very, 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 very important. I, very quickly uh, uh, on, on this. Um, I go to India every year. Last 27 years and before that, of course. And in the villages in January, this is in Bihar, and this is out of Budgai, right in the hamlets, I went out there with some some friends, all the villages knew about September 11th. I mean, they can't read, they can't write, they have no newspapers, etc. And I asked with with the friends who were translating, did you you hear about 9-11? They all knew about it. You know they're really out there in living in little mud hut hamlets out there, and then they and then they came with with incredible sympathy. This is Muslim and Hindu villages. With incredible sympathy to what happened to the U.S. And then the people in the villages said to me, "But Christopher, then the Americans came and bombed the people in the in in Afghanistan. They bombed people." as poor as ourselves, and all the sympathy had gone. A whole region, the sympathy went there, and, and we still see the consequences of it. We've got to find other ways of connecting and, and understanding and uh, listening to each other, and there's no room for fear. Thank you. Thank you.
3: Yeah. Um, You were talking about uh, fifty percent of the people in cities, you know, like live by themselves. And uh, in Europe,
2: I don't know how it is in America, but in the European capitals.
3: Um, so like I'm I'm one of those fifty percent in San Francisco, and have been for the last ten years. And
2: uh, let's ask: How many people living? Oh, yeah. This has to be higher. I'm curious: How many people there are? You don't have to say. How many people live alone here? Oh, yeah. There's a good us. Maybe a quarter in the hall. Okay.
3: So I, I just, uh, I love to travel myself too and um, I just want to share an experience. Like last uh, summer I was, uh, I did Egypt and Tanzania. Um,
2: Egypt, yeah. Can, can you hear up there, over there, right?
3: Can you hear? Um, and
2: You went to Egypt and Tanzania. Mm-hmm.
3: And um uh, you know, like uh, just some flat some th- pictures that uh, pop up is, uh, you know, the Muslim uh, men holding each other arm, arm in arm, yep. walking around the square in Cairo. Um, you know, they'll kiss each other on the cheek. Uh, they spend, uh, uh, you know, in the evening because it's real hot during the summer, they'll go, they'll, they'll hang out and do yep. coffee and shisha together. And, and yep. you know, the women kind of hang out together and, yep. and talk. Um, So there's like a sense of community, right? Yeah. And then like uh, Tanzania, um, this uh, this there was a guide that took me. uh, I I climbed a mountain there, and uh, he he like afterward, we were totally got to be friends, and he he invited me over to his house and cooked a special meal, and I met his whole family, and you know they were really poor, very very poor, right? Uh, And you know he told me that his uh, family is extended to about like 200. Yeah, there's like you know they they don't make that much difference between aunts, uncles, and cousins.
2: Yeah, right.
3: Um, And they speak three languages: English, Swahili, and their tribal dialect. Right.
2: Yeah.
3: And I'm looking at these people, and I'm looking at, and that's one of the reasons I love to travel. Like, I love going from, you know, like the city and popping my backpack on and going right down into third world. Right. Yeah. And um, I just think that one of the things I notice is that there's a sense of um, community and society, and connectedness amidst what we consider poverty. Yeah. And, and they look at us actually, uh, I hate to have these stereotypes, mm-hmm. but they see us as actually very poor. And they see us as materially wealthy, but in, in terms of community capital, um, very poor. And, and um, so I struggle with that in my society. Like, mm. you know, do I run off and move to Spain or Thailand <laughs> or wherever? To escape this society but then wherever i go there i am sure and i'm supposed to be right where i'm at and yet i see <laughs> I, I, I see this uh i see this rampant sense of disconnectedness and uh, isolation among people um even in this community um i have a difficult time uh at times uh connecting with people um i've got a wealth of friends but you know you see it in society you know mm. where. uh I don't know. We have so many gadgets and distractions and stuff, and and yet, you know, after I get out of this retreat, I'm going to go hop in my, you know, German computer-controlled tinted Windows uh, car and head back to the city. Mm -hmm. And I'm—it's comfortable, you know. So I
2: sometimes—and your points are very, very uh, important and very good reminders for all of us. We get some time out of our culture out of our environment, out of our society and out of this rampant ideology of individualism which is at the expense of community which serves all sorts of uh, vested interests this exploitation of individualism and we spend time out and then we come back that makes us, can make a number of us extraordinarily aware of the separateness the isolation that one person referred to in the previous uh, inquiry. And there's something isolating and unhealthy about it, because community is community. And the teachings emphasize community. meaning of the word sangha is community. Men and women meeting and spending time and being together. We have a community for a couple of days, a community in the silence, but also a community in the uh, mutual sharing and exploration, and you and I are part of this community over this uh, period. And, and it's very, very important that community life comes together. And religion, to its credit, with all of its failings, does remind us of community. That's there. So you get back in your, what is it? What have you got? German BMW or something? Yeah, I thought, yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you sorry because it's not an American car. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, no, not really. Uh, no, no, I appreciate. Really. <laughs> uh, so, one of the things we, as you quite rightly did, and credit to you, you come up and express concern, and of the uh, separateness that is going on. What? It's one thing to see what's wrong. One thing to see what's unhealthy or unsatisfactory or this separateness that goes on. One thing to have lots of good friends. What can for you, what way can you help to transform the situation? We have, community is vital. And some, some people here will have, will have a genuine sense of really being in community and it isn't an issue for them, but there are others, plenty of others, who will be sharing the same feelings and thoughts that you have had. Whether they've gone overseas or not, they can just see the isolation.
3: Inwardly and outwardly. What can you do? Well, Sorry, sorry. I, I've just made a conscious decision to just keep reaching out, yeah. no matter what. Yeah. All right. That's,
2: that's absolutely beautiful to hear. So... And sees it and says, okay, let me reach out. Let me make contact. Community sense may vary quite a lot. As you said with myself, I'm traveling, so I'm, in fact, in a way, moving through different communities. But uh, it gives, in this case, my sense, um, a sense of that human life is one huge family. And sadly... Too often dysfunctional, but nevertheless, it's one big human family, and you and I, brothers and sisters, and all in it together there. So, the reaching out how would you reach out? What would you, what, what, what's reaching out mean for you in developing community? What, what would be expressions of reaching out to nourish community life?
3: Yeah, a smile, a hello. Yeah. You know, talking to the, ta- the taxi cab driver, talking to the gas station guy. Uh, I mean, uh, Yep. calling yep. my friends yep. who okay. I haven't
2: called for a while so aspect of the reaching out to develop a sense of community in, definitely embraces and includes clear communication advocating of direct uh, friendship making uh, eye contact engaging in some form of sharing etc and if you and I keep doing that in our locality, we do it in the shops. We do it in the streets. We do it with the friends. We do it with the with the na- na- neighbours. That we express as much as we can. Hospitality at home. You know, all the, all that that this simply directly builds a sense of uh, community there. Yeah. And 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 that there are building blocks, and everyone in this hall can really make a real. Contribution and it is through being friendly, it is through talking, it is through listening to people, it it, it is through the power of the friendship. And if we start doing it and we feel happier, out of that, there would be less consumerism, less neediness, less wanting, and the friendship would bring the happiness. And part of the great problem of consumer culture is the isolation. So things become a constant compensation for friendship. Things become a compensation for contact and communication. And my goodness, we have to learn a lot more humility and listen a lot more to where there is community and not think that we've got it right. We are way off track, our culture. Way, we are out there.
3: Yeah, there <laughs> we are.
2: And, and we've got the arrogance and the naivety and the stupidity that we are superior. Yeah. This is a tragic thing. So your, your experience and the wealth of your experience in your travel travelling uh, and uh, being here, and that, that reaching out and keep that flowing, we'll build community and will change consumerism into connectedness.
3: So how do you stay sane traveling so much? Like, uh, you know, Havana, Cuba two years ago, I mean, loved the people. I mean, you can yes. stare them right in the eyes and go right to their soul. Yeah, They're yeah. so cool. And uh, the stores are empty. There's nothing there. And, and yet the people have such a wealth of culture and stuff. And then I come back. I, I, how do you stay sane? Um,
2: <laughs> you, you, you already answered the question. Um, one stays sane because um, no matter what one loves people no matter what one loves them loves them to bits that keeps us sane thank you thank you Just have a quiet minute or two to finish, please.